0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Beyond Battle Creek podcast. My name is Kurt Von Eschen, and I'm joined here today with Jameson Reynolds who is our a, who is our experienced lead pastor who oversees all of our worship and our production across all of our campuses. Jameson, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good, Kurt, man. Glad to be here. Glad good. to hang out with you. Yes, as always. Absolutely. Have a
0: few laughs maybe. <laughs> see I already got him going (laughs) Uh, I didn't expect that right off the bat Jameson um, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, you're married and uh, tell us a little bit about you because a lot of people have never they may not know anything about you so help them get to know Jameson
1: yeah so I'm married to my wife Ashley we've been married for 12 years we've got three girls so I'm the hashtag girl dad Mm -hmm. and it's awesome Um, I thought I wanted a bunch of boys at first but boys are loud and boys are messy and um, I love my girls. They're amazing. Um, 11 years old, seven years old and two. So they're all spread out, all different stages of life and they're super fun. Um, they, uh, are into cheerleading, they're into soccer, they're into playing outside. And, um, I actually took them with me to the skate park this last Saturday. They rode. they rode their scooters while I rode my skateboard. And so I do fun, you know, stuff I would do if I had boys, I buy them Jordans and yeah. you know, OKC Thunder jerseys and stuff That's like that, cool. but they're pretty great. Um, Yeah, I've been at at Battle Creek Church since uh, March of 2016. So just over four years now, I started as the South Tulsa campus worship pastor. And I was there the very first day it launched and, uh, spent, you know, about three years there and kind of made the transition over to the Broken Arrow campus, kind of the end of last summer. And I've been here. Um, and I love this place. My family loves this place. Um, we, we love being here. We love serving here. We love the people here. Um, we lead a community group and our, our best friends all go to this church. That's cool. And so, um, we really, um, from from myself and my wife, Ash and my kids, we kind of live and, and breathe the DNA of this place and we love it.
0: So your worship journey didn't begin necessarily here at Battle Creek. Tell no. me about, because um, you do a lot with worship. T- tell me about where did that start? How did God incubate that desire within your heart? And, and what led you to uh, to where you're at now? Sure. I mean, for me, I, I was like a
1: lot of like kids growing up i played sports i played basketball i played soccer and i was really involved in, in youth group because my mom worked at a church i have a single mom and so i was just up at church all the time and so i got really involved in youth group and that was you know mid early to mid 90s to late 90s and that was when like there was this emergence of you know Worship bands started being a thing, and it wasn't just you know people playing piano. We'd have a guy come in with a guitar and a drummer and a bass player, and, and like I just gravitated to that. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world, and so I I would stick around and and want to want to learn to play guitar and watch the people that did that. And I think it was right around eighth grade I started playing guitar, and very quickly you know a couple of years in, um, some of my best friends at church and youth group we started leading our our youth group worship band and, and did that, and then it it kind of morphed into this thing in college. Where I had uh a band and a group of people that we would travel around with and and lead worship at camps and lead worship at student ministry events and, and Wednesday nights and Sunday nights to the point where I remember this was like the craziest thing for me. I was working part-time as a bank teller, but I literally had to quit that job because we had so many uh, like dates and so many deals booked up where I was like, I can't do both. And I was like, this is wild. I'm going to get paid to play music. This is crazy. What was
0: the name of your band?
1: Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I've had some, everybody's had bad band names. Yeah. Yes. So, my first uh, worship kind of rock band I had in high school, that was called Flipside Seven. Everybody had a number in their band name back in the day. Yep. But this worship band that I had in college. That we went around and did stuff uh it's real bad but it was called debtors to grace it was mm. from the line of uh yeah. come now found yep. you know oh, oh to grace how great a debtor I, I, that's one of my favorite songs ever imagine that a worship leader loves a hymn yep. as one of his favorite songs but i love that verse oh to grace how great a debtor daily i'm
0: constrained to be because mm. it's true man yeah.
1: and so it's not a great band name though.
0: no no so you're leading at camps and conferences you're having to quit your job at the bank yeah and then what did what, what happened from so there? i mean i went to i went to college at uco i was a communication
1: major i uh, did that for four years and i i was uh i met my wife at the church the first church i started working at was trinity baptist church in yukon and so we spent a few years there working and then uh I stepped away from that job for a bit when we got married. It was just a season of life where I knew God was was doing something. And I knew that that I needed to step back and kind of refocus as, as far as what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. And so I spent cool. about three years working at a music studio. Um, and I would uh, kind of do some producing, do some engineering. I would play on, on people's songs, all that kind of stuff. And it was a really cool period. It was a really a, a honing period where like my chops and what I was able to do musically just grew exponentially mm. over a three-year period. What I what I knew as far as music theory and to be able to work with all different kinds of genres of music, I mean, all over the map. Yeah. And so it pushed me and it was hard. Um, and I knew it was going to be for a season. I knew it wasn't going to be a forever thing. And so about three years into that, I started feeling, you know, the call in our life of, to, to go back into full-time ministry. And so there was a six-month period where uh, I was interviewing with churches and, and it was we were just people it was like ships in the night like a church they would want me in, and i was like i don't think this is a good fit or i would be really into that church no it's not really a good fit and uh it, it was a it was a point of some frustration for for a while and then um Like January of uh, of 2010, I got a a call from uh, an old youth pastor friend of mine that was starting a church up in here in Tulsa, and I thought, "This is I've always wanted to live in Tulsa from Oklahoma City. I thought Tulsa is a great town. What a what a cool opportunity to start something brand new um, from 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 the ground up." And so, me and Ashley, we moved uh, Labor Day of 2010. So it'll be 10 years we've been Mm in Tulsa to help uh, start uh, South community church in Bixby. And so I was there for like five and a half, six years. I was, you know, worship and media pastor. So, I mean, I had like a thousand jobs Mm -hmm. there as a church plant, but it was, it was a ton of fun.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. I think all of our journeys into worship ministry, I remember for myself, um, my family and I, we, we lived in Salem, Oregon, and my parents had been divorced. My mom had recently remarried, and we started attending a church from Salem, Oregon, all the way in Seattle, Washington. Yes, I'm really telling and me about so that. we would drive three and a half hours each way. That's wild. So seven hour commute That's to go wild. to church on a weekend. But when we went to that church, what we found was. The worship and the teaching was just something different that we'd never had, yeah. and so we were willing to endure pains that we would never normally endure. And it was there that God lit my heart on fire for worship, and, and that's where I was trained up and raised up. And out of that church, uh, I took, um, I started taking over the student ministry. I had a couple worship bands. One was called uh, Real, and cool. uh, you know, totally because there was a skateboard company called real skateboards. I don't remember that. Uh, anyway, so, uh, but we didn't call it that based off the skateboard company. We, we were t- just, we wanted to be authentic and real. And, sure. and, and out of that, um, a short time later, we planted a church with a youth pastor from that church. And, um, and then fast forward, uh, we, we did that for eight years and then we went to Reno for a season for about five years. Uh, then we were at Willow Creek in Chicago for nine years and, and then God led us here. And so it's, it's interesting, you know, I, I, you have like, how many years of worship experience would you say you have?
1: Gosh, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I started full time doing, doing worship stuff in 2006. So it's over 15 years
0: now. I mean, yeah. it's wild. Yeah. And so I think one of the things is we talk about worship. Uh, we, Jameson, and I have both kind of dedicated our lives. I've got about 25 to 30 years of experience into worship, studying the scriptures, studying what worship is all about, because we recognize this is a vital part to a thriving relationship with yes. God. I don't think that you can, uh, you can have a great, uh, only prayer life if it doesn't accompanied with a great worship life. Um, and, and it's, it's it's a natural outflow. If we um, sing these truths about God, um, I, I think it's important that it, it you can sing a truth about God. But if your body has no motion to it, yeah. you know, or doesn't express itself in any way, regardless of we're introvert, extrovert, whatever those are, or maybe we're an accountant, or maybe we're on stage. Um, uh, when love isn't love unless it's expressed. And I think that's one of the things I've come to learn about worship is that uh, if I love the Lord, if I feel these truths within my heart, I need to express them out my mouth, out my body, with my actions. And I think about like a a marriage relationship. I mean, I think about like you and Ashley or or Mary and and, and myself. Um, If I don't ever date my wife, if I don't put my hand on her knee, if I don't hold her hand, if I don't kiss her when I come home, if I'm not uh, engaging with her it's not love. No, I could tell her I love her, but if I don't ever physically engage with her, it, it, she feels there would be a gap in our relationship. And, and so um, tell me a little bit about what you see that worship means to the, the, the believer individually. Like, so why does this matter? Why, why, why should they make worship a reg- Not just a, a church Sunday thing, but a regular part of their daily life. I mean, for
1: me, first of all, when I think about it, like it is in our design, as, as God's creation, we are creatures that were created to worship. So we are living out our truest calling when we are worshiping God. So that's, that's the first thing is, it's part of our design. Um, we're being obedient in scripture when we worship because scripture calls us to worship him. When we worship, it also helps us have a right view of ourselves and a right view of who God is. and 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 so oftentimes you know i know in my own life and and i'm sure in your life as well we can get so kind of caught up in our own world we can elevate our stature and and our perceived amount of power and what we feel like this influence we have but when we worship and we realize uh the truth about god and who he really uh, who he really is it elevates him back up to where he should be and and puts us back in, in the right perspective which is you know, it, it's it's countercultural. It's counterintuitive to how a lot of a lot of people think, but it's so much better. Um, and and I think corporately, it, it's so good for us to worship together because it's the fellowship of the believer. It, it's one thing for me to be really into something on my own, but not being able to express that with other people. Anytime you have any kind of like hobby or anything, when you join somebody else and you express that. You're expressing something together, but you also learn new qualities about this that you didn't know even existed. Yeah. Because somebody's going to have um, a different perspective to offer. Like, you know, hey, you know, this in my experience, and it's us sharing our stories. You know, someone's saying, you know, this is my story and what I've experienced in my walk with Christ, and, and you can glean something from that. Yeah. And that is a part of our worship as well.
0: It's good. One of the things I like that you said right there is that you touched on this is that in our culture, it's all about us increasing. But what happens in worship is we actually put ourselves under God because it's this idea that He must increase and I must decrease. Absolutely. And so, as we put things in the right order, the way that God intended them to be, what can happen is in our own hearts, uh, everything else starts to fall into alignment. When we when we seek first, I, I just love that verse in Matthew six thirty three, to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Man, and everything else follows after that. When we worship, it places God as that primary thing, yep. and everything else becomes secondary because we look to Him as our provision, absolutely, not our checkbook. We 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 look to Him as as our um, sustainer and our provider and for our, our our worth, not the things that we have or what our personality is or how many friends we have on social media. It's about Him, and 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 everything else flows out of that place of health. One of the things I, I love is I think about worship. And when I think about for every single person who has made Jesus the Lord of their life, one of the verses that sticks out to me, um, one of the things whenever I read verses, I always think about is this being um, prescriptive or is it being descriptive? Is it it telling something about something that happened with God's people? Mm -hmm. Or is it something that it's telling me to do? Or is Mm -hmm. it something it's telling uh, a certain group to do? This is what God desires of us. And I I love this in Psalm 29, it's one of my favorite verses. Uh, It's a Psalm of David. So David's the one who wrote this and there was many people who wrote in the book of Psalms, uh, but David's one of the main contributors in it. And he says this, it says, ascribe, so that word right there, ascribe means to give, Mm -hmm. uh, to, to give worth, to give value validation to So it says, ascribe to the Lord, ascribe to the Lord, glory and strength. That's one of our roles. David here is not describing something that this is what we do or or this is what was done. He's describing something. This is, I'm imploring you. I'm encouraging you. I'm urging you to do this. This is where life is really found. He says, ascribe to the Lord or give to the Lord glory, and strength. What does it look like to honor God with glory and strength? And then he and he goes on to say, "Ascribe to the Lord the glory; do His name." And that's what we do in worship. Worship yeah. takes a focus off of my circumstances, off of my situations, and it raises my perspective so and and it helps me to to go my help doesn't come from anywhere else but it comes from the lord so i'm going to lift my eyes to him and then he goes in and he says um worship the lord and the splendor of his holiness and and i just i love the idea of like giving to the lord the glory do his name there's another part of in here it says um it says bring an offering yeah and sometimes when we think about bringing an offering offerings in the old Testament were were a form of worship. It it, it was, it was similar to a tithes and offerings thing. That's kind of what he's talking about, but also an offering of our hearts. And every time that we come into worship, there's an element of us laying down our lives to sacrifice what we want for what God wants and where we, where he becomes preeminent and we become secondary. And and so as I read this verse, this is one of the verses that always kind of helps keep my heart in, in check that makes me say, Hey, this is, this is one of the things that I want to, lives a value in my life of Absolutely. worship
1: yeah it totally made me think when you're when you're reading through psalms and, and we talked about it before there's a there's a book i read uh last year with with chris tomlin and darren whitehead and it talks about it goes through the book of psalms and talk about the different the different words for worship and the different words for praise and how you know we we have this one word in english that has been translated but how there is six different uh words for that in the hebrew language am yes. i correct in yeah. that? and they are prescriptive of telling you to do certain things of, of when there are times to, to sit and be quiet, when there are times to worship with your hands raised and out and why we actually do that when there are times to worship with your hands like this is if you're receiving something. And so I think, um, that was that was huge for me unlocking that and hearing that that, you know, scripture's calling us to do it and and there are these different worship postures that we take. And there's a reason behind it, not just because, hey, this feels good and this feels natural and this is what I, I learned in, in youth group or yeah, whatever.
0: That's really good, James. I think one of the things, just jumping off of that, in English, we oftentimes see the word praise or we see the word worship. But those actually have a different meaning sometimes than just praise or worship. So like, for example, there's one that that talks about having what there's one word that we represent as praise, but it's actually a word where we actually extend our hands out in thanksgiving of what God has done. There's another word that we translate in here that, that's praise, that's actually lifting your hands in anticipation of what's to come. Uh, there's there's other ones where it, it talks about where, where we're to bow down. Get on your to, knees and To kneel. get on your knees before God. But we see the word praise, but it actually means to kneel down. Yep. And so one of the things in a biblical context, um, every time the word worship is mentioned, either in the New Testament or in the Old Testament, so in the Hebrew or in the Greek, there's always a corresponding action to it. And I think that's one of the things is sometimes we go, well, I worship the Lord in my heart. That's great. But that's actually, there's more to it than that. You're only, you're only like utilizing 10% of the power of worship. When you get your body involved in it, when you get, when you sing out loud, even if you don't sing good, man, God wants to hear it. God wants to hear it. And you know what? Sometimes when we sing, it's not for ourselves. It's for the encouragement of those who are sitting around us. So it's not just about like um, me just having my own, because when we come together on Sundays, it's about the encouragement of the, of everyone who's there. Cause you may be sitting next to somebody when they hear you sing, raise a hallelujah. They may be going through a divorce. The person sitting right next to you or the person sitting on the other side, you might have just got a cancer diagnosis and they need you to stand in the gap for them and worship in their proxy to help lift them up, to help lift their spirits. And when they see you worship God in a meaningful and extravagant, and a demonstrative way, man, it just ministers to people's hearts.
1: Yeah. When, when you truly worship, like it says in the New Testament, in spirit and in truth. And so not just living in the truth of knowing what you're singing, but not just living in the moment of just feeling it, you know, because there are both areas when you worship in spirit and in truth. I mean, you get to experience, um, you get to experience peace, you get to experience, um, fullness, you get to experience restoration. You get to get to be known um, by God and known by those around you. And so it, it, it is, it's the best place to, to be rather than, especially if you hold back in one of those areas. If you hold back in your spirit and just experiencing the truth, you're not experiencing all that, that God wants for you. If you're holding back knowing the truth of what you're actually seeing and singing in the scriptures and, and the references, of, and what are these words? What do I actually mean? Is it just a great melody? Is it just mm-hmm. a cool guitar riff? But knowing the truth of what you're singing
0: yeah. matters. That's good. I think one of the things that like I've personally experienced and in, in, from stories I've heard from other people is, when they don't spend time in regular worship, it takes a hit to their identity. Mm-hmm. It's like they start to question, they start to believe what the world says about them. Um, they start to believe the world's way of thinking. That's all about my success of myself, my family, my kids. It's all about, uh, and I start driving my worth from things that God never intended me to derive my worth from. And I think about like in Romans 12, one and two, it says, uh, therefore don't be conformed to the pattern of the way of this world's way of thinking. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and so there's a process where we have a worldly way of thinking. And and, and for me, honestly, it's like I have to do it every morning. Yeah, I got to renew my mind to say, hey, I'm not going to live for my flesh or my own satisfaction. I'm gonna live for God's purposes and His glory. Whether it's working in a church or working in a office environment or working as you know maybe a CEO or maybe working as a gas station attendant or, or whatever I'm gonna do, I'm gonna live on purpose, on mission for God. And so I'm not gonna conform any longer to the world's pattern or or the things that the world says is important. I'm going to renew my mind that I may prove that which is the good and the perfect and acceptable will of God. And the Bible then says, after that, in Romans 12, 2, at the end of it, it says, For this is your reasonable act of worship. When I worship, I find my true identity. When I worship, I remind myself what is true about God because sometimes I lose that narrative in the midst of life. When sure. I go through hard circumstances, I mean, just recently, um, In my family, uh, we've lost four different people in our family over the last year. Uh, my dad, uh, my, my wife's, all of her parents and it's been a season of, of loss. And I've had to remind myself in this season of loss, what is true about God? Yeah. What is true about me? What are true about his promises? What are true about his promises to my relatives who, who, who knew Christ and have now passed on and are in heaven with Christ? And so uh, I think one of the things we remind ourselves of God's truth. I think the other thing is that I experience is a freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a verse in Zephaniah 317 that says this, that uh, the Lord, your God is mighty to save. Mm-hmm. And it says that he'll quiet you in his love. And so in worship, he quiets me in his love. He reminds me that He is mighty to save, and then at this last part that is my absolute favor, and He says He rejoices over you with singing. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Think about how you feel about you and the fact that the Lord of all creation, the God who created everything, Jesus Christ Himself is rejoicing over me with joyful songs of singing. That's how He feels about me. Yeah. He's strolling around singing love songs because man, He just He's enamored with me. Yeah. And he's enamored with you and he's enamored with those of you who are watching. The fact that the God of the heavens who is mighty to save, where the world and all of the universe exists within the palm of his hand. He sings a love song over me because he cares about me that much. And in worship, I feel the love and the smiling of my father. Even sometimes when I'm struggling with things, whether it be um, uh, hurts or whether I'm struggling with habits or whether I'm struggling with a hang up or, or, or any certain things I may be struggling with, in that moment, I allow the father... To rejoice over me with singing. Yeah. And I recognize as his child, I don't have to work for his approval. I'm not worshiping God. So I get approval. I'm already approved. Yeah. And in that moment, I, I sense that validation of the father. And therefore I respond from a place of approval. I worship from a place of a son and a daughter who's already been accepted by my dad. Yeah. And he loves me so much. He's singing over me. I mean, I just, when I, when I realized that it was like an epiphany for me.
1: Pretty wild. So Let's shift gears a little bit. So we're both worship pastors, both musicians. Let's talk about the Christian music industry a little bit because it's way different than how when we grew up, you know, growing up listening to like DC talk and Mm -hmm. audio adrenaline. I remember listening to Christian music. That was stuff you listened to driving around in your car, but it's not really what you listened to on Sunday mornings when you sang and when you engaged um, in like congregational worship. It's taken a big shift. Now the, the big heavy hitters in Christian music... It's all like worship teams yeah. or worship bands or worship leaders. You know, you got Carrie uh, Job and Cody Carnes and Elevation. Like anytime they release stuff, people go nuts and yeah. flock to that, which is really cool. But is there is there a danger in that? Like people may be like gleaning their own personal worship taste of what they kind of want to pick and choose and and what they feel is acceptable. Like maybe just kind of talk about that a little bit.
0: Yeah. I think one of the things that's always important for us to, to separate is what is my preference and what does God want? And sometimes we tend to deify whatever our preference is. So Amen. if our preference is, um, a certain song or a certain style, we go, that's the kind of worship God wants. For example, one time somebody came to me and said, uh, hey, how come we don't sing more hymns in our church? Um, cause that's what the, the early apostles sang. They sang hymns. So they were thinking that the apostles were singing amazing grace and some of these other songs and they weren't. Yeah. Matter of fact, the early church, um, it was full of optimism and hope, but it was also full of persecution from the Roman empire. And so when they would get together and worship, it was more subdued. It was more quiet and they worshiped with great anticipation, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't the hymns that we know today. Most of the hymns that we know today were written somewhere after 1500, yeah. more, more so in the 1700s, 1800s. And so when people say, hey, we should sing the songs that early church sang, oftentimes that's to deify a certain position. Yeah. And really what God is after, it's not about the style. It's not about the, the the timbre or the cadence of the song or the rhythm of the song. God is after your heart. yeah In worship, God is always after your heart. So these songs are songs that just help us express that. Now one of the interesting things about hymns, for example, was hymns were never written to be sung congregationally. They were written actually as an accoutrement to the sermon by the reformationists. So you yeah, had the Wesley, he, he, would, he would write a song, John Wesley, he would write a song that would enhance what he was about to teach. Yeah. So it would be the song before the sermon. Never did they intend, but that's why hymns have such deep, rich theology in it. And they're great. I, I love hymns, I sing hymns. Uh, I think there's a lot of powerful truths in it. I've learned a lot of theology from hymns because hymns are wrote in scripture, but so are modern day worship songs. I mean, when you when you have songs like "This I Believe," which was basically the Nicene Creed written yeah. out in in song form, or when you have uh, songs like "I Raise a Hallelujah," man, that whole song is rooted in Scripture. And one of the commitments we have here at Battle Creek Church is we're not going to sing songs that aren't rooted in Scripture. Mm-hmm. We're not just going to sing feel good songs if we can't if there's not just a scriptural justification for why we'd be singing the song. Because what we think about when we're picking songs is These are the prayers of the saints going up to God. And so what truths do we want them to communicate in these moments? And so um, I think it's really, we have to be careful not to deify our presence, our our preference, but instead to recognize these songs are about me communicating my heart to God. And that can look a thousand different ways. If you have a thousand people in a room, you have a thousand different opinions. And and so to think about worship, um, I heard Alex say this just recently, worship isn't about how good the band did or about whether I like the songs or not, we shouldn't evaluate, walk out and go, oh, that worship that's amazing this morning was amazing. They sang my favorite song. No, we should, what we should really be asking is, how was my worship today? Yeah. When I'm there, it's about my own personal accountability. How was my worship? Did I seek God? Did I choose to press in even if I didn't like the song? One time I went and visited a family member's church, <clears throat> and I went there, and there was this dude up there, and this was probably in the year 2000, um in the year 2000 just kidding um but uh in that uh the, the worship leader who was up there had this massive 1980s hair cool and he played like a Kramer guitar which is like totally even better. heavy metal even better. and he was ripping these these guitar solos and his voice was crazy distracting and the band wasn't very tight and i was super distracted and i was just sat back and i was kind of just like judging the experience yeah and i felt the lord convict me in that moment saying kurt even if you don't like this experience am I still worthy of your worship? And in that moment, I just repented and said, God, I have made it about me. When we make worship about our preference, we've missed the point. Yeah, Worship is about God. It's about us ascribing worth and value to him. It's not about what I get out of it. What I get out of it is a byproduct of me engaging my full heart. So uh, my encouragement would be to people, if you don't like the songs we're singing, engage your heart. Cause it's about God. It's not about you and see what God can do on the other side of your active obedience. God always honors obedience. And when we worship him in spirit and in truth, even when we don't feel like it, because one of the things I've come to learn, Jameson, is that confession always precedes belief. Sometimes I need to say words out of my mouth to be true before I actually feel it and experience it and before I know it. And so sometimes I don't, I walk into worship some mornings to lead worship. I don't feel like worshiping. Yeah. I'm tired. You know, we get here at like 6am in the morning and uh, we start singing at 6am and who wants to sing at 6am? That's awful. No one should I, be singing that early. <laughs> no, I don't feel like it. But in those moments, I got to choose to engage my heart that this moment is for God it's not about me it's not about my tiredness it's not about my preference sometimes we lead songs i don't like and that's it's but it's not about me yeah it's about me ascribing him worth and value what are your thoughts on all that
1: so i thought you you brought up two really interesting points and the first one would be going back to what you're saying how john wesley would write songs that would precede what he was about to do in the message which is funny because for a lot of churches that's what we're doing right now like i know that's the goal of songs that we write here at battle creek church is that they would be songs that our church can can you know wrap our our hearts and our minds around and that we would be singing scripture that way that that scripture would not just be it would be internalized in us and that way when you sing those songs we're reminding ourselves of truth and reminding ourselves of the characteristics of god and and, and god's story and so i i love that so when we sing a song like your presence changes everything a song that is original to our church we're singing one of our core values Mm -hmm. of who god is and what we believe happens when with his presence that it changes everything and so i think it's really cool and kind of funny if you think it about like we're doing the same thing that he was doing years years ago
0: except in our day
1: yeah which so i i think that's really cool um the other thing i thought that was really interesting was it's really hard and it can be convicting to put the ownership on yourself of how your Sunday morning experience looks like. Not putting it on the band, not putting it on the pastor, not putting it on the guitar player or, or the sound engineer running the mix, but you owning that and yeah. saying, hey, God, I'm going to own this experience. And no matter if they, they play the songs I don't like, I like or don't like, if a matter if it's if the music is too loud or it's too quiet, God. I can own my heart, and I can own how I engage with you. Yeah, and and that was a, that was a fresh way for me to hear because I know it's true, and, and and I've realized that in my head in so many different ways. But I, I don't think that's talked about as yeah. much. That you know, what what is preference, and, and and what is and what is not preference.
0: And I think sometimes in that, that oftentimes we want to put our spiritual. Uh, progress or our spiritual maturity on somebody else. Yes. So uh, if you lead me well, I can worship. And the truth of the matter is, is that all of us are responsible for our own spiritual lives. Yeah. And so we need to take ownership of it, of... God, how am I going to engage you today? And how am I going to worship you? And how am I going to push myself? So we oftentimes encourage people to grow in their, in their character. We encourage people to grow in their prayer life. We encourage people to grow in their generosity. But oftentimes churches have, have actually been a little weak in general on, on on encouraging people in how they worship. You should be growing. Your worship this year should look different than how it looked a year ago. Absolutely. You should be growing in that as, you, as you fall more in love with Jesus, as his truths become more and more real in your life. And so, um, Jameson, let me, uh, kind of just pivot here a little bit in this time of worship services where we have led walls and smoke and, uh, really high production values. Um, how are these things affecting worship, uh, and what congregations expect And it? Is this positive or negative? Like it's a different day and environment. So years ago, we used to have stained glass windows and pipe organs. And now we're in a day where everything looks like a black box and we bring in lights and smoke and led walls. Talk to me about that. So
1: for me, I think all, all of these things can be done to enhance a worship experience. I say enhance, they, they make an environment, uh, to where it, there, it, it removes distractions from what's going on. For some people, lights can be crazy distracting, but they can, you're, you're hitting all of the senses, like your, your visual sense, your auditory sense. Um, I think there there is a danger, but it's, just, it's the same danger that was inherent with stained glass windows. It's the same danger that was inherent with huge pipe organs is that like any of those things, they can all become idols if we let them. Yeah. Um, they can become idols in the sense where we elevate them um, higher than they should be? You know, like, wh- what is the importance we are putting on the lights? What is the importance we are putting on LED walls and big screens and all that? Are we using those things simply to enhance and make this experience better? Where we're making it easier for people to interact with God and we're removing distractions? Or are we lifting them up and making them idle? So it, it's a danger to navigate and it's a tension to manage. I don't think it's anything that's going to go away. It's just, yeah. it, it is a tension that we have to manage.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things that's interesting, so when we talk about stained glass windows, um, originally people didn't know how to read scriptures. Everything was written in Latin and people would hear a message in Latin. They would sing songs in Latin, but the average person didn't know Latin. Yeah. And that's really what happened in the Reformation with Martin Luther and those things. And, and so what they did is they created these stained glass windows that would help tell some of the stories of scripture, but it was just a snapshot yeah. of a moment. Maybe it was, you know, David, you know, uh, killing a lion or killing mm-hmm. Goliath, or maybe it was, uh, the Virgin Mary and, and these type of things. And these, these pictures made of glass created beauty mm-hmm. in an environment. And it was a creative a sense of awe and wonder. And if you think back actually to the original temple, uh, there was smoke and incense and they, they use, uh, you know, metals to light things and mm-hmm. other things like that. And there was instrumentalists mm-hmm. um, in the church. There was, uh, and th- these guys actually, that's all they did. And they practiced day and night music for church or for temple or worship yeah. in the temple. They were and, skilled and
1: musicians. Yeah. It says in the scriptures, they were skilled musicians.
0: Yeah. These weren't like somebody who can, I can kind of play harmonica. No, you they, know, found these the, were... they found the best of the best. Exactly. And so in today's day and age, uh, when we use lights and when we use sound, and some of those things, we're trying to create beauty and, and, and a sense of, of, of pointing us to our creator. God is the most inventive person ever. He spoke something out of complete nothing. It had never been done before. He didn't copycat somebody else. And so when we have these expressions of beauty through song or through sound, uh, these are craftsmen who are, are, are working to engage mm-hmm. uh, in uh, creating worship environments. There's actually this group in, in the... Uh, in the people of Israel, he had these tribes. And in the tribes, there was actually segments of them. And there was one segment called the Kohavites, and their whole job. These guys were like the, the, the production team, uh, or the audio visual and lighting team of the earth, of the temple. And they would go in as they were moving around in the, um, in the wilderness. These guys would set up the temple. They would set up the altars. They would set up the horns and all the things that people would use to create an atmosphere for worship. And that's what a lot of our production team are doing. <laughs> that's and, the, very and, well. yeah, that's the very first production team as well. Yeah, They was the very first production team. We need to make those on shirts. <laughs> yes, absolutely. get our team some of those shirts. And so I think with us, um, we could get distracted and, and a church could go overboard. Um, and so where all of a sudden the lights are, are, or the, 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 the visuals on the screens are distracting from the moments of worship. And I would still encourage us, even in those moments, we're accountable for our response in yep. worship. It's not about the distraction. It's about what is my reasonable act of worship to God and how am I worshiping God today, regardless of the environment and the environment may never be your preference. When I go into certain environments, like, um, when I go into historical churches, I love the beauty of it and the artistry, but that's not the place where I want to worship. Some people that is where they want to worship and there's nothing wrong with it. But I think it's important for us to recognize that there's a, there's a preference involved in that. I think one of the things is also for us to, to recognize that, um, when we talk about lights and production and those things we can call that that's the way we do church, but here's the thing. We never want to marry our methods. We want to marry our mission, I love that which statement. is to reach people for Christ. And we want to date our methods. And we don't want We don't want to go all in with our methods because our methods need to change. Our message that. is never going to change, but the way that we communicate it to people, the way that we facilitate worship, the styles of songs that we are seeing, um, uh, happening in worship that has to be, that has to be movable. And so what are some of the styles and some of the things that you see coming on the cusp of music trends and worship trends and those type of things that you think are gonna start impacting what we'll see in the church in the next one to three years? Yeah, I just wanna
1: repeat that statement again because it's so good. We, we don't marry the methods. We marry the, the message and we marry the mission. We date, we date the methods. That was so good. Mm. Um, I mean, for me, w- what I see as far as, as worship music is we've, there's been so many styles that, that have come and gone. I think the thing that, that I'm, that I'm seeing on, on a lot of worship projects and albums that are being released is, is it's, there's a lot of fluidity is you will move from a song that can have a, a, a ton of, uh, guitars and it can be like, more of like a, a rock style feel and almost have like maybe some Southern gospel feel to it a little bit. And then you will, on that same album, you'll move right into the very next song, which can be very electronic and keys centered. And, and so I think, the the newest thing I'm seeing is like it, it's fluid, and, and it, you don't have to hem yourself into the, hey, this is that one sound, and, and we're only going to really pump the guitars. We're not going to really worry about keyboards, we're, you know. And and we're seeing the emergence of of choirs, like you know, uh, there's been choirs on a few of the Elevation uh, songs. If you watch some of their videos online, they've got a choir up there every now and then. Yeah, I think Kanye yes, influenced was about that. Yes, i say you, uh, Kanye had an album that was all choir. I mean, he's on there a little bit. Yeah. But it's this vision that he is, he is kind of birthed out. And so, um, I think what's happening is if I can, like I said, it's, it's not hemming in and narrowing it down to one style, but it's more broadening and saying, Hey, we're, we're going to use it all. And like, if it's good, let's take
0: it. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things I see actually in music. I think it's more of now we have an amalgamation of styles. So I think back to the, uh, eighties, we had rock, hair bands, heavy metal. Then we moved into the nineties and we had grunge come in. Yep. And then you moved into the late nineties or mid early nineties, you start seeing rap become the dominant influence of, of and hip hop and R and B and those type of things. Um, and then I th- then we had a movement towards country became the big deal. Yep. Um, what I think is interesting about this day and age is that there's so many different genres out there that, that everything is popular yeah. and nothing is popular. You got country rap artists. Right. <laughs> I mean Florida Georgia line that's uh, <laughs> it's an oxymoron if you think right. about right and so I think that there's uh, I think what we're starting to see is that if it's effective we're going to use it. Absolutely. And I do think that there is this like Southern rock thing that's kind of coming in. I do think that choirs is something that I starting to see a trend in. Um, I'm not trying to declare anything. I, I, these are just trends that we see happening. Yeah. And I do think that you see, you know, what you brought up, like you'll see a, a Southern rock kind of tune, like graze into gardens or something like that, right next to something that's EDM feeling uh, electronic dance music. For those of you who don't know who EDM is. <laughs> um, and so I think you'll see, you see that. So, in that, um, let, us kind of pivot here on in COVID worship has looked a lot different. What has that been like for you? And, uh, with so many people staying home, you know, and we worship apart, like, what does that look like for you? Yeah. So
1: man, it was tough. Um, we, we pre-recorded our services. And so we, we would come up here, our, our worship pastors, and and we would rehearse the songs, rehearse the songs, do a couple of run-throughs and, and record it. And it, it's weird because we, we're, we are pastors, uh, we're worship pastors, but we're also musicians, which means we're our performers, which means we're used to performing in front of people. And so, we, we're, it had to be us pouring our heart out to God because we could, we couldn't perform in front of anybody. There was nobody there to watch. Yeah. And so it it was real honest and, and genuine worship, but in the same sense, it was tough because we weren't, it wasn't a congregational thing. And I know for me, um, it was tough for me to watch back and re-engage because, you know, in my head, I start going. Well, I wonder if we could have done this better, and, and, I, and I see this mistake. And I, you know, you see your own warts yeah. on things. And so it was hard for me. And you know. I'm trying to bring my family around and we're trying to watch church online and I've got a two year old going nuts. And, you know, and I got a seven and an 11 year old who maybe kind of want to pay attention half the time. And I'm like, Hey guys, let's sing this. And it's like, we can all hear each other singing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it doesn't sound cool. Like a choir, like mm-hmm. it's, you know, a family of five people and there's no music to drown us out. And so it, it was tough. And I think for me, I, I had to dig in more to my own personal worship time, whether yeah. that was me in the car, um, whether that was me um, um, listening while I was working out, or whether it was me grabbing my guitar in my office and singing. You know, there would be, for me, some of the best times I had of worship during the whole COVID process was if we had a new song that we were wanting to introduce. And it was just me learning and and singing it and and playing it by myself you know i i mean the most powerful time i can i can remember it like it was yesterday it was you know one of the first weeks that that the churches were shut down and we were doing church online is we that song the blessing had just came out by Mm -hmm. elevation and so we did that song yeah and so i'm in my office and i'm practicing it you know and uh it gets to the bridge and it's talking about you know the blessing that will live on for a thousand generations Mm -hmm. for your family and your children, and yeah. their children, and their children, and man, it hit me hard mm. because I started thinking about my family, mm. and I started thinking about my children, and one day I'm going to have grandchildren. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And like this mantle that I get to carry, the privilege and the weight and the responsibility of it, um, man, it hit me, and so, so it, it it was great. And and that that personal worship time, you don't have to be a worship pastor to do that. You yeah. don't have to be a worship pastor to experience that. That's available to anybody and
0: everybody yeah. um, if you seek it out and if you pursue it. That's so good. I think for me, some of my like most personal times of worship with God are in the car. Yeah. As I'm singing along with somebody else's record and I'm just engaging my heart. Sometimes I look like a crazy person cause I might have my hands lifted or I'm thumping on my steering wheel really hard. But <laughs> I think in this time of COVID for me, I, I wanna let the congregation know, we miss you guys. We cannot wait till you guys are back oh in the gosh. room. Um, Cause it's not the same, not doing it in community. No. Um, but what I would say for, for, for like when we would get up and do our rehearsals and then we would record our services um, in that moment, it had to solely be about me and God I had to, because without the the community aspect of it, it, it felt like it, it was in that environment. It felt like it was lacking something because I know how I've tasted how good it is when we're together in unity and we're lifting up God together and it was like, it just felt like something was missing. Yeah. And it's like, if you have Christmas and there's a family member who's not going to be there this year, something's missing. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I, number one congregation, I want you to know, we miss you. We cannot wait to have you guys back. And I'm just so excited about, um, yeah, this weekend. Um, anyways. Um, and so I think also one of the things I, I wrestled with, if I'm just really honest It was hard to worship watching on TV. I talked to a lot of my neighbors and it was like, it's just not the same. Like I I felt more like I became a spectator versus a participator. Absolutely. And going back to our previous question we talked about, I think that's one of the tendencies that can happen sometimes when we have lights and smokes and LED wall and smokes, (laughs) (laughs) but but when we have LED walls and all that stuff uh, is that, and when we have a high production level, what can happen is that it would be really easy for us to become spectators and for us to watch what's happening on a stage versus us becoming participators. I want you to hear our hearts. We want you to be participators. We want you to engage. We want you. We want to invite you along. Um, God doesn't hear our worship any more than he hears your worship. Mm-hmm. We're in this together. It's about the, the, the priesthood of all believers. We are all priests. Uh, according to scripture, uh, Peter writes this, now you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. He's speaking to New Testament believers in that. And that's you and I, we are royal priesthood. We're a people belonging to God that we may show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his glorious light. I would encourage you church, don't be a spectator. No. Be a participator. That's what God wants for you. That's what he wants from you. And and what I would say is if, if people spectate, they will always walk away from a worship experience feeling empty, yeah. and if you participate, you will always experience the fullness of God. Well,
1: and it's like I was saying earlier: you can you can spectate and you can be worshiping in truth and 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 knowing the truth and, yeah. and hearing the truth and internalizing truth, but you're missing half of it
0: yep so let's uh let's do a little game of get to know you jameson so man uh i'm gonna ask you i've been waiting for this i've been watching these i am so excited (laughs) practicing on this Uh, yeah kind of all right so this is a get to know you jameson segment and so we're gonna hit this and so basically i'm gonna ask you a question of either or and you just gotta tell me your your first gut reaction on it okay okay all right here we go in three two one slims or chick-fil-a Oh, Slim's, no doubt.
1: Chick-fil-A's most overrated <laughs> restaurant of all time. Sooners? Hit, hit me in the comments with that. Sooners or Cowboys? Oh, Cowboys. Don't, don't <laughs> get off me about the Sooners. I don't even want Nike that. Nike or Adidas? Nike, easy. Pepsi or Coke? Uh, Diet Coke. Diet Coke? But, oh, but yeah. or neither, really. Dude, I love
0: Diet Pepsi. I'm oh, a Diet Pepsi fan. God, Pepsi's too much, man. Uh, nor- Long shirts, T-shirts, or normal length T-shirts? So uh, I'm going back to the normal
1: length. I've got a few long ones in the in the repertoire. I'm wearing one today, but I, I think I like the normal length more now.
0: Being a tall guy, honestly, sorry, I'll just take a break in this game real quick. But being a tall guy, when I wear a normal length T-shirt, it looks like, <laughs> like I'm wearing... A, it's a crop top, right? <laughs> yeah, it looks like I'm wearing one of my little girls' T-shirts. <laughs> and so like for me, the longer T-shirts has been a, a blessing. you got to find the right one. Back to this. Uh, do you love summer or fall? Oh, fall, easy. All right, rip jeans or non-rip jeans?
1: Whew, man, that's tough. That's almost a push. I would, I would go with non because they'll eventually get ripped. <laughs> if you hold on to them long enough, they'll get ripped. Jean jacket or
0: bomber jacket?
1: I, I, it's tough, but I would say jean jacket because I feel like it has more life, like more longevity. Like a jean jacket's just always going to be cool. Bomber might not be cool in a couple of years. Coffee or tea? coffee easy coffee black all the way chinese food or mexican food mexican food all day long
0: uh favorite holiday christmas or easter i like christmas more awesome acoustic guitar or electric guitar uh you can't combine <laughs> you can't say acoustic I electric, acoustic electric. <laughs>
1: uh man like acoustic is more fun when you're sitting around with people but electric guitar is just it's just so versatile you can do all the things on it i like electric guitar more
0: Thank you for helping us get to know a little bit more about you. That's awesome. Jameson, you are such a value to our church. One of the things, church, I just want you to hear that one of the reasons I love Jameson and the role that he is overseeing all of our campuses, worship overseeing production across all campuses is the fact that Jameson has a brilliant strategic mind. He's a great leader. He's an effective leader. He's a great communicator. And Jameson, we are blessed to have you on our staff. And so I want you you to hear that. Uh, I love you. I love our partnership. And I'm excited for what God's going to do through us. Hey, let's just take one last question um, uh, before we, we wrap this time up. When you think about this next year, of us, the church coming back and assembling within, uh, the four walls. Now we know that the church is not a building. Yeah. The church is a people. It's a movement, not a monument. So it's not a building. But as we gather the church back within these four walls, what are you most excited about? And, and what are you, what are you looking forward to in the weeks to come? I mean, I'm looking forward to this, this possibility
1: of, uh, D- defining what defining what church looks like for us defining our new normal and not just taking what we've had before because that's what we had it like we're stepping back into congregational for the fir- congregational worship for the first time in months and so each family and each person gets to walk back into church and say hey i can start over and say what does it look like for me to worship on a sunday morning and and my desire is that we would have a, a church that that the depth and the breadth is and, and people are so excited about who God is and what they're doing is that we don't have to encourage people. We're not, we're not begging people to sing mm-hmm. because of, of who God is and what they're experiencing. They can't help but sing. Yeah. Um, we don't have to beg people to invite people to come to church because the, the realness and, and the community they're experiencing and, and the love that they're feeling at church, it, it's just overflowing out of them that where people are just coming because it's just, it's just an overflow of the heart. Yeah. So that's what I would, I would love to see more than anything is, is us taking this opportunity to redefine what a new normal is for us and to, to go and do those things that you wish you could have always done. It's almost like every, every January new year comes and you make all these resolutions of stuff you would, you would like to change and stuff yeah. you'd like to do different. We, ha- we have this opportunity as a church of, you know, what, what are the ways we wish we, we could do things? Like how do we in- encounter God and worship? Like it's a new opportunity to start something fresh and new. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love the fact that we're going into this series called reset where mm-hmm. we can push a reset button uh, from the way we did life. I mean, I think like we're evaluating like travel sports and some of those things in our own personal lives yeah. and just recognizing, Hey, the way we're doing things may not have been the best. Yeah. And so maybe I don't want to get back to normal. And I think that there's a great chance for us an opportunity for us in this of like, Hey, I can push a reset button on my walk with Christ. I can push a reset button on my worship. I can push a reset button on how often I go to church. I can push a reset button on going to community groups. I can push a reset button on on all these different things and making sure that I have the right things in place one hundred in my life. So I can do the thing where I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto me. And so uh, guys, I want to thank you so much for joining us today on the beyond battle Creek podcast. I want to encourage you to like, to share and to subscribe to it. And also join us on social media, either on Facebook or on Instagram or on any of the socials. We're so glad that you guys joined us today. Jameson, thanks for being a part of this and uh, look forward to seeing you again soon.